I'm Charlie Mount. And I'm Jeff Rack. We are the co-artistic directors of Arcane Theater Works, based here in Los Angeles, California. And this is our new podcast where we discuss the weird and fantastical worlds of sci-fi, horror, mystery, and fantasy. Welcome to... Invasion of the Pod People. In print, on stage, and on screen, there have been countless interpretations of that modern Prometheus, that original mad scientist, that alchemist in galvanism and lightning, Frankenstein. In this multi-episode series, we dissect, discuss, compare, and contrast some of the best and least known versions of Mary Shelley's immortal story. Joining us in our discussion is our special guest, monster artist Phil Joyce. This show is being recorded outdoors at the historic Zorthian Ranch in Altadena, California. The Many Faces of Frankenstein, Episode 3, The Universal Years, Part 1. After the success of the Edison film, there were several more silent versions of Frankenstein, and even some stage productions. In the 1920s, the rights to one of these plays, written by Peggy Webling, was acquired by Universal Studios and turned into the first version with sound. Its enormous success precipitated two legendary sequels, and all three feature the seminal interpretation of the monster by the great English actor Boris Karloff. Close your eyes and picture the creature. It's Karloff you see. Frankenstein, the Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein have left an indelible stamp on our popular culture. These are the films by which all other versions are measured. In the name of God, now I know what it feels like to be God. All right, but before we begin, I want each of us to, relatively briefly, talk about the first time we saw our very first Universal Frankenstein film. Uh, So I'm going to start with our guest, Phil. Well, hello. Um, My first viewing of Frankenstein probably was, gosh, I must have been about... Hmm, maybe seven, eight years old. I remember we, we had a public station back in Buffalo, New York, and that, it, you know, like there was the uh, ABC, NBC, CBS stations, and then there'd be a public station that would show um, horror films, science fiction films, and other kind of Ray Harryhausen type stuff. But uh, I was probably, yeah, about seven or eight years old, and I remember it was late at night. It was my, my mother let me stay up late to watch Frankenstein. And you know, because I'd been hearing so much about it, and I, and I, I begged her to, can I, can I watch it? Can I watch it? And I probably fell asleep towards the end because I was, I was a little kid and it was late. But I remember the first reaction of um, Boris Karloff doing the the famous turn mm. when he's, you know, you see him, the the monster enter uh, with his back to the camera, 
and then the, the famous turn just was terrifying. Right, I and thought. the cut into yeah. the face. Yeah, right. And then seeing his face was just—it's a—it's a really haunting image. And I, apparently, from what I've heard, when the when it showed in 1931 at theaters, uh, people were fainting <laughs> <laughs> when they saw this in the theaters and, and screaming. It was so terrifying. But it, even even in the you know when I saw it in the 70s, it was still kind of effective as a. And it still, I think, holds up today as a very, a very eerie image. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like I, I said, the Jaws of its day, but it's kind of more the Exorcist of its day, right? In <laughs> yeah, terms oh, of yeah. in terms of people freaking out and yeah, yeah. and fainting and and, yeah. and running out of the theater yeah. and that kind I, of thing. I think Dracula had the, a similar effect with the Bela Lugosi Dracula, right. but the Lon Chaney Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, that too. Right. Yeah, people people exactly. screaming in the aisles. Yeah, and, the reveal. Yeah. yeah, Charlie, what was your your first? Uh, uh, of the, of the Universal films, the Big Three? Yeah. The Big Three? Which one did you see first? First one I, pro- I saw probably was Son of Frankenstein with Be- uh, oh, wow. Basil Rathbone. Okay. Um, Great actor. I remember being a, uh, a, even when I was a kid, I was a big Sherlock Holmes fan. Yeah. And I, it, it was either during Chiller Theater or the 430 movie. I grew up in the New York City uh, area. And uh, after school, there was the 430 movie, and they would play Godzilla films and, right. you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Same with and that. at night... If I, if I stayed up late, there was Chiller Theater. I don't know if yes. you remember this, but it would, it all, it would always began with this great uh, animated opening of a hand coming out of a grave. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, right. this strange voice going, Chiller Theater. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was really creepy. Uh, so I love that, you know. And I, and again, they would play, you know, the, the monster movies, the, the great universal monster movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All the classics so I probably saw, back. like, I think b- before I saw the, you know, the, the uh, Karloff stuff, I mm-hmm. saw The Wolfman, and I probably oh, saw yeah. some of the Dracula films. And, but I think the first of the big three that I saw was Son of Frankenstein, because I remember noticing, hey, that's, that's Sherlock Holmes. Right. Oh, my gosh. He's, you know. Right. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> but seeing the other two, the, um, the first Frankenstein, I didn't see till much later, my late teens. And I don't mm. even think I saw oh, Bride wow. of Frankenstein uh, until my 20s. Uh, yeah. I was never really interested in that. I thought, I thought it's, oh, it's a sequel. It's got to suck. Yeah. Right. I had no idea. Yeah. You know, yeah. Exactly. That it was the Godfather Two of its day. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> it was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'd actually seen uh, so many other versions of Frankenstein, including including Frankenberry cereal. Oh, yeah. And there was there was uh, that claymation thing, the Mad Monster Party from mm-hmm. the sixties, and yeah. so you you become Frank aware in a pop culture way, right, of Frankenstein. But those films, uh, it was not a Frankenstein first. I saw. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. To, Kind of a, uh, abstract sets too. I, I, in, yeah, in we'll get. To, oh, great! Yeah, oh, we'll yeah. get to that we'll get, later. We'll get yeah. to all that for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I mean, actually, the first time I saw Frankenstein's monster was in Famous Monsters of, of Filmland, the Forrest J. Ackerman magazine. Ah, that was the first time I actually saw the creature, and you know, so that was the whole thing of seeing really? all these huh. these monster films and. Was it you a know, Go-Go's and, Illustrated? And I, I, I mean, just the photographs, you know, in, in the magazine. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, the, the first film I actually saw was Bride Ooh. of Frankenstein. Oh, Bride, yeah. 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 As, um, as the wind kicks up. As the wind kicks up, then <laughs> she is created once Speaking more. Speaking of the Bride. Ooh, oh, oh, my, my goodness. goodness. Wow. 
It's getting pretty breezy out here, folks. It's alive! It's alive! It's alive! <laughs> Somebody doesn't want me to tell my story. Wow. <laughs> it's getting uh, for the typhoon. Hey, listen, man. We're What is this? This is uh, the end of February in 2021 yeah. here. Yeah. The rest of the country is like buried in snow. In we're not snow. complaining, folks. Yeah, it's exactly. a little windy. Yeah, it's, it's, a, little it's windy. a little windy. We're, yeah, we're definitely we're not fun. complaining compared to what's going on yeah, elsewhere. We're Again, in Buffalo, New York. We hope you're all there. So, um... So, yeah, so, uh, you know, back then, in the olden days, you know, we, you know, you didn't have movies at your fingertips. Right, so you exactly. had, like, your, you know, TV guide, if you're lucky to have an actual TV guide. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's usually your newspaper guide, you know, and you would, you know, I would comb through that thing looking yeah. for, you know, the movies I wanted to watch. Right. It's like, you know, like King Kong, I didn't oh, see yeah. until I was, like, uh, you know, in my, you know, teens because it just never came on there it was weird actually can i can i interject yeah, there there yeah. was it's interesting you mentioned that because growing up in the 70s and stuff you know pre-cable we didn't have or pre-streaming amazon streaming and all that stuff you, you had you really had very little access to horror films right and they were limited to maybe what was on at midnight chiller theaters the, the yeah. creature feature creature shows, feature right. shows or dr demento a, yeah or if you had a public channel that would play we, like we would have weeks of, of a of a theme. Like one week would be Godzilla theme. The next week would be yeah. the you know the Sinbad Ray Harryhausen. Right. The next week would be Hammer Horror. So it, it, you were very limited. So as a kid, you were so excited to get that next, you know, like oh my God, Dracula's on it Saturday night at at midnight. You know? <laughs> right. That was it. That's exactly yeah. what happened for me. Is that you know it's like yeah. here's you know. Bride of Frankenstein, yes. but it was coming on at like you know midnight. Yeah, right. Right. And I, I was, uh, I was like, I'd say about twelve. Yeah. You know, so I was a little bit later actually seeing it. Every time you talk wow. about Bride of Frankenstein, the wind kicks up. I yeah. know. And so uh, also Lanchester. Uh, you know, I mean, at midnight. I mean, my my parents were not going to let me, you know, watch this movie at midnight. Right. It just yeah. wasn't going to happen. And I knew it, so I didn't even ask him about it. You snuck out. So, but <laughs> that's what I did. I it, so, it, in the in the middle of the night, while well, I went to bed like normal, you know, like nothing was happening, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and I, you know, I could hear everybody was snoring, you know, <laughs> you snuck, you snuck and, out. and I snuck out into the living room, and and I have to set it up for you because it's kind of you know I was kinda, I guess I was really kind of a creepy. It's a lot of screaming kid. in I was into stuff, but I but our. Uh, the, the backyard of our house, there was a bank of windows that went across the whole back of, uh, of the house. And they had uh, curtains, full-length curtains that went, you know, across it. And there was a door, <clears throat> the screen door, that led out to the backyard. Hmm. Well, I actually opened up that door, and the curtains were billowing out around me. And I created <laughs> a little—I I created a little fort, yeah. and I watched the film— Oh, from the wow. underneath the billowing curtains, <laughs> you know. How gothic. And, and I was, uh, you know, I, and I, I realized, yeah. you know, pretty quickly in that I, sh- I shouldn't have done that. Because <laughs> oh. it was pretty, you know, it creepy. was pretty, pretty creepy. Yeah. But, yeah. but I, I, I remember that moment. And, it was, and, and, um, and <laughs> so, you know, I was like listening to make sure my parents weren't in. I had to have the yeah. volume down low, you know. And, um, <laughs> but I was just so impressed with the film. I mean, it was just, you know, indelibly you know, marked yeah. upon, it's gorgeous you know, movie. it's one of my, one of my favorite films of all time. I mean, it sure. still holds up, um, yeah. but we'll get more into that. But that yeah. was, 
That was that was my first introduction. Plus, to you it. had the anxiety of waiting for your dad to use the bathroom in the middle of the night. And <laughs> yeah, catch you. Hopefully, that <laughs> yeah. wouldn't happen. Right. What are you doing? <laughs> so Frankenstein, which was released in 1931, the same year that uh, Dracula was released, in fact, ten months after Dracula, so a very quick uh, production schedule. So it's well. 1931 to 2021, it's been 90 years since uh, this film was released, and Dracula as well. Um, So I want to first talk about the production team. So most fans know that James Whale directed Frankenstein, but they don't realize that Robert Florey, who actually wrote The Wolfman, uh, he was the originally chosen to direct the film, and he worked on the pre-production of it for many months. And Flory is an important and kind of a forgotten contributor as he's the person who initially is responsible for the look of the film because he was very much into German expressionistic horror films such as Captain, uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and Der Golem, like, which we mentioned. Um, and also uh, Universal's founder, Carl Lemley, was German and imported a lot of European talent. So uh, no one's sure why Flory was replaced by James Whale but his uh, important visual input carried over into the film. Now, Whale was an up-and-coming theater director who, with the advent of talkies, heard that Hollywood was courting theater directors since actors now had to speak. Um, so uh, that's how he came uh, in, in to, into uh, directing the, the film. No kidding. Being a production designer myself, you know, I'm always looking at you know, the art directors, and, and um, Charles Hall was the art director on Frankenstein. Um, amazing stuff. He had just come off of Dracula and had also done the original Cheney Phantom of the Opera, so he was a natural choice for Frankenstein. So he and Whale decided early on that they wanted the sets to have an extreme verticality to them, and you see that in the the expressionistic castle set. Um, that was to help emphasize Dr. Frankenstein's quest to reach for the heavens. Hmm. There's that great line in the film, right after the monster comes to life where Frankenstein says, now I know what it feels like to be God, mm-hmm. um, which was, that line was later cut. It was cut uh, <laughs> when there were complaints <laughs> from the religious community. But Whale took a good advantage of uh, the tall sets using many high God-like angles to visually make that point. Um, also, there's that great moment uh, when the monster has been uh, sequestered in the castle and he uh, comes out down the, the staircase and he feels the sun on him for the first time, and he reaches up to it as if reaching up to God, or rather, the life-giving warmth of the sun. Uh, little moments like that are what make this film really resonate on a higher level than just as a, as a horror film. Um, so the laboratory. Uh, we need to give a shout-out to uh, uh, Kenneth Strickfadden. Uh, he was responsible for the Tesla-like crackling electrical equipment. Um, I love how Whale presented the lab scene as kind of a heightened theatrical piece with uh, the doctor saying, quite a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy and three very sane spectators. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the lifting up of the table into the storm and the lightning and, uh, you know, of course, he's alive, 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 Uh, going, and he says it eight times, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But... uh, uh, we talked about that comparison to the creation scene in the novel, which is it's quite different, obviously, from, uh, yeah. from what's in the movies. Uh, and then uh, the cinematographer was Arthur Edison. Any and relation? <laughs> Edison, actually, it's funny. It's E-D-E-S-O-N. Oh, oh it's different. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny. 
he was a, a, a groundbreaking and much-in-demand cinematographer. Uh, he was one of 15 cameramen who founded the American Society of Cinematographers. Hmm. Uh, he worked for Doug- Douglas Fairbanks, did The Three Musketeers and Robin Hood, Lost World, Thief of Baghdad, and then later on he did The Invisible Man for Whale when he, when he hmm. made that film later. Another good one. Uh, Maltese Falcon, Casablanca. So the guy knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, he considered, contributed considerably to the film's look. Uh, especially the, the the sweeping camera moves, um, which were very difficult to pull off uh, in that day because of the big, heavy cameras of the day. They were, you know, but you know, he did those big mm-hmm. shots that went up high looking down those God's eye view. And um, so that was pretty amazing. Cool. Um, next, I'm going to talk about uh, makeup. So Jack Pierce um, did the makeup for Frankenstein, and most people are familiar with that. Uh, you know, it's the, perhaps the most iconic design ever created for the screen, that yeah. and the bride, right? Yeah. I mean, even after 90 years, it has endured. You can show that image to anyone in the world today, and they'll, they know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you? You want to talk a little bit about Pierce Jack, and uh, Jack, Jack Pierce? Pierce film? Yeah, I, I, I believe Jack was a, a Greek immigrant who came to Hollywood and and started doing makeup early on in in silent films, and one of his one of his uh, renowned early makeups was the the man who laughs. Oh right, with, oh, with Conrad right. Feit, Feit, the German yeah. actress, yes. the actor. Ostensibly the actor. model for the Joker. Yeah, right? Right. exactly. Later in the uh, Batman series right. with uh, uh, Cesar Romero. Creepy. But uh, yeah, the Man Who Laughs was one of one of uh, uh, Jack's early makeups, and and of course, like Jeff mentioned, he his his two his iconic makeups were definitely the Bride of Frankenstein and and the Karloff Frankenstein monster, and also Lon Chaney's Wolfman. Right. Which, which are you know they're they've uh, become so ingrained in our culture now through you know Halloween masks and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and merchandising on on down that they, they're they're so iconic but yeah Jack um, designed started designing the the uh, based off Mary Shelley's descriptions in the book but he um, Kind of t- put his own twist on it, and um, you know, tried to make it look like a cadaver. And the the the, the, the flattened flattened head right. was a, a brain, you know, brain yeah, surgery. Yeah, saw off the top of yeah, the head. Yeah, sawing off the top of the head. It's like a lid on a pot. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> right. Put the brain in or take it out. Right. And he and I guess he and Boris did a lot of collaborating on the makeup, and and testing of makeup. Uh, colors to see what would look best in black and white, and I, I, they came up with like, like a, a weird green Greenish, color, yeah. right? That that played on the black and white film stock as as very cadaverous gray. Right. And I also that, I that heard worked. that I heard that Karloff also was uh, responsible for the um, the lizard like eyelids. Oh really? Oh, yeah, yes, because yes. originally didn't have the eyelids. Oh yeah. And he said it looks too. He looked. He he felt too awake. Yeah. Oh. So he they crafted those eyelids, which really you That's know. That's cool. Gave and that. and the and the pronounced brow. Well, that was yeah. that was uh, that was Pierce. I think. Oh, Pierce did that. Yeah, but I mean, but the eyelids were something that he. Had he also did uh, long fingernails because. Um, oh, the, the well, there's there's a myth that you know fingernails continue to grow after right. death, but the truth is the body shrinks is what mm. really happens. But, huh. uh, yeah, they made the fingernails longer and put some black on it. The black know, fingernails, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Huh. And the shorter clothes. 
you know, to show yeah, right. he was of, of gargantuan size. Yep. And the and the uh, what, what he, the boots he wore were like a a tar a, a, a tar um, what do you call those like roofing boots or something? They were yeah. oh right yeah they were they were uh, adding much. I, I think Boris Karloff was five foot eleven, and the boots made him well over six feet. Right, he towered over everybody. Towered then. over, but and, another, and of course the, the bolts. You know, which which were his invention because Mary Shelley does not include electricity in the creation of the monster. Was that a Pierce, Jack Pierce? Yeah, that was Jack Pierce. And I know that also Karloff had had dentures on the right side of his mouth. Right. And like a a denture appliance on the upper side of his... uh, and, and, And... he, he came up with that, Karloff himself, he pulled it out and he said, this will make me look more cadaverous and more huh. ho- and that's what he had that hollowed out. Oh, interesting. Right, right. side. And, yeah. they, there's, and then there's actually a picture of Pierce doing the makeup to, to make it look even, even deeper. More hollow. You oh, know? Yeah. And a lot of times they yeah. showed him from that, from the right side because of that you know, yeah. the cadaverous did Jack, look. Did Jack Pierce do the makeup for the mummy? He did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I remember reading about excellent. that, how they, uh, to yeah. create the wrinkled look, they just used glue. Yep. On his face, and then pinched the skin. He, he, yeah, that's right. He Karloff did the skin. he did the Karloff mummy, and he also did Lon Chaney Jr. as the mummy, huh. and uh, yeah, and he it, incredible uh, uh, use Amazing of textures and yeah. It was like cotton and uh, collodone. Cloth- yeah, it was collodone. What's it called? <clears throat> What's that called? That word is there was there was that yeah, it's liquid like, that he used to make that. Does it have ammonia in it or something? Yeah, or? something like that. But he yeah, he wasn't using any latex appliances, which were used later. Right. So Jack Pierce would do all of his makeup uh, um, off the cuff, kind of using whatever cotton, like that sort of stuff. That, so they were really going yeah. with a, a, a whole. Very fully realized idea of what their monster was going yeah. to be. Yeah, a and cadaver that, brought to right. life with electricity. And that's and, what the bolts were for. Yep, right. to connect the. Uh, and that's actually one of the things wires. that brought Pierce down with Universal Studios because he wasn't using any latex appliances, which would have sped up the makeup. Well, there wasn't. They didn't yeah. have them at the time. Right, but the, even later on, I think in Westmore, I think came back. Westmore came in in the later films. Oh, and, and he could speed it up, and he's, he was the oh. one that made the appliance. Was it Westmore? I heard a story about him. Was was he the one who, I think it was after the third film, Son of Frankenstein, I remember. Oh. When he brought Glenn, is it Glenn Strange? Glenn, yep. Strange. Glenn Strange. He brought him in and said, yeah. I, need you, I need you, you're a big guy. I, yeah. I'm not telling you what I'm doing. And he put him down, and he did a little makeup test on him, but didn't tell him what he was doing. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, and then revealed, he covered the mirror. Right. Yeah, covered the mirror. And then revealed that he turned him into, because he was trying to cop, re- recreate yeah. uh, Jack Pierce's makeup. Yeah. And and then mm. he said, hey, you know what? You're pretty good. <laughs> You're pretty good yeah. at that. How about, you know, how about you as the monster? And then yeah. Glenn, Glenn Strange. Well, he had seen him. Yeah, he had seen him in another film. He was making him up for something else. And, right. uh, and Glenn Strange was saying that... Uh, um, you know, he goes, he was looking at me, you know, kept looking at me, you know, and I don't know why he kept looking at me, uh-huh. you know, and then he asked me in and, and oh. what you said happened. And um, yeah. I guess when the reveal happened, Glenn Strange says, I'm Boris Karloff. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say he's a monster. He said, I'm Boris Karloff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Just a, a short little tangent here. You know, the first time I saw Glenn Strange as the Frankenstein monster, it was not yeah. in any of the movies you would think. Hmm. It was in Casino Royale. Oh my God! Oh, is that right? The original wow. Casino Royale. There's just a, a which a movie that makes no sense at all, and yeah. we can talk about that another right. time. David Niven. David or? Niven's running down the hall, and he says, "Do you know how to get to you know the office or somewhere?" And the <laughs> Glenn Strange is coming by, he's the monster, and bumps into a door, and David Niven says, "Thank you very much." Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> oh wow! But anyway, go on. He, the, he showed up everywhere. He seems everywhere. What are, what are yeah. their tidbits on that? Yeah. The, so they. Apparently- oh no, I'm completely wrong. <laughs> oh, someone oh. listening to this podcast right now is very, very angry because they know how oh. wrong. 
Well, it just was. That he was. That was not Glenn Strange. Who was it? That was somebody else. Was it Cheney? It was David Prowse. Oh, wow. Oh, was it, it David was, Prowse? It was Darth Vader. Darth oh, Vader. wow. He also played yeah. Frankenstein okay. in a, a Hammer film. Uh, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. That's right, yep. Okay, yeah. good, good. So... So for, okay, the, for well, those you people yourself. who are, you yeah, caught yourself, so you're all right. I, I caught yeah. myself. So no cards, <laughs> no letters, yeah. no letters. Well, no, make sure no you emails. we know that you're listening to the whole podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I got it right, man. But, but one right. other sideline on that was um, apparently Pierce and Karloff were were very uh, good friends. They actually hit it off, and 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 Jack Pierce didn't have that kind of relationship with a lot of different actors. I know mm-hmm. he and Lon Chaney Jr. kind of clashed. But um, well, they were in the they were in the makeup chair for so long yeah. with the method that he Hours. used. You know, what I mean, which was you know yeah. grueling, and and, oh, uh, yeah. and and Karloff was very uh, amenable Be- to because doing of that. his his te- his sort of a tedious uh, process of, of using more um, handmade materials rather than I mean, like you know, you can tell the difference yeah. too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it if you look at you better. look at Doctor um, at, at Glenn Strange's version, mm-hmm. I mean, it just looks faker. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it it doesn't like quite. It, you know, I mean, you can't. You go in a close up. It looks like a right. mask. And he's just. This is a pretty funny little bit. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, you know because it, it was a latex brow, right? right. That you know, right. Whole, the whole head, the whole flat head, and everything was all one piece. Yeah. That w- at the end of the day. When they would take it off of him, all this water would like gush yes, down his face because it, it was like the sweat would build up in that pocket yeah. of his brow, you know. And yep. uh, he said he never had that before because the you know the cotton and the other thing of you know Pierce's things it, it soaked into that. Yep. The, the, the Boris Karloff makeup that he did, yeah, became so part of pop culture so quickly, so quickly yeah. that it was used as a huge laugh line in Arsenic and Old Lace. Oh right, when when Boris was in that. Yeah, Boris was in it, oh, and right. he plays he plays you know homicidal you know murderer yeah. um, uh, Jonathan, more uh, Jonathan, and he uh, who who has had his face redone by right. Dr. Einstein, <laughs> uh, and he, he was doing this on Broadway, uh, which is why he couldn't do the movie by the way because they were afraid people would go see the movie, Boris Karloff in the film and not go because he was still doing it on Broadway. Oh, is that right? Uh, they okay. were afraid oh. they wouldn't buy tickets to the Broadway show if he was in the movie. Oh, funny. So anyway. <laughs> so he's, in the film, he plays a character who has been operated on by Dr. Einstein and has scars yeah, seen on him. You know, much like the, him. you know, yeah. and so he, and he kills somebody. And he, and the reason he kills him, he says, he, yeah. he said, I look like Boris Karloff. <laughs> and there was a huge laugh line on Broadway. Right. You know, because, because the makeup was so well known, the scars oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, though, I mean, Pierce, Pierce was a real artist. He was he was he was a the definition of a makeup artist. He he had a, a, a very good eye and and knack for creating. Well, he created all all basically created the whole pantheon of Universal monsters outside of yeah. the creature, right? I mean, he created all those guys. Or Dracula. You know, Dracula you know, my daughter pointed out to me a while ago when I told her we were going to do this, because <clears throat> you think you think of all the classic Halloween. Monsters that oh, you absolutely. dress up as. They're all right? universal monsters, yeah. Well, yes, but Frankenstein, mm-hmm. the look of the Frankenstein monster um, and, the, and the character is the only one that doesn't come from some ancient legend. You know, there were stories about right. vampires, there were stories oh, about wolf yeah. men, mm-hmm. there were stories about ghosts and mm-hmm. witches. The Frankenstein monster and, and that particular look yeah. was. Fiction. Mm-hmm. It was whole fiction. I mean, yes, yeah. Mary Shelley may have based some of this on Faust and some other stories, but mm-hmm. it, she invented it. Yeah. Yeah. So, of all the classic Halloween costumes that you put on, 
when you put on the Frankenstein monster the mask. Yeah. It's the only one that doesn't come from some supernatural story from way back in the, the old true. days. true. Yeah. yeah. It just comes from a teenage girl. Good well, it's story. just so <laughs> iconic of a look. I mean, I've always been told, you know, as an artist, that, you know, when you're creating a character or something, a, a classic character, mm-hmm. that you should be able to recognize them in a silhouette. Yes. You know, if you can recognize a character in silhouette, then you've you've designed something that's unique. Yes, and, it's interesting. Uh, and I'm, and, I'm and, like and, running through them all in my head right now. I know. I would. Yeah. And even like when you talk about the the modern pantheon of horror stars, which which has unfortunately kind of transplanted the classics, like the Freddy Krueger, right, and uh, Michael Myers and uh, uh, Jason. Yeah. They're all they're still recognizable in profile. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's to a certain degree, but not quite as much. I mean, no. like with Freddie, you know, you got to put a hand in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's true. But you yeah. know, in profile, not just face, but I mean, profile. Um, oh, wind is whipping up. In episode four, we continue in part two of our discussion of the Universal Years. This has been a production of Arcane Theater Works. You can find us online at arcanetheaterworks.com. Don't forget to check out our other podcast, Theater of the Mind, Dramatizations of Fantastical Stories. If you enjoy our podcasts and would like to hear more, please support us on Patreon. Special thanks to Alan Zorthian and the Zorthian Ranch. And also to our guest, Phil Joyce. If you'd like to see Phil's artwork, you can find him on Instagram at philjoyceart. I'm Charlie Mount. I'm Jeff Rack. And this has been... Invasion of the Pod People.